Welcome along to Scoreline Extra, the podcast that contains some of the interviews that we conducted on Scoreline at the weekend from 2 to 6 every weekend, I should say, on KCLR. <clears throat> Opening up proceedings today is Kilkenny's own Gavin Houlihan, the FA Cup hero for Grimsby, who scored two goals in the last 16 against Southampton to send Grimsby to the quarterfinal for the first time since the 1930s. We'll continue the soccer talk as well when we talk to SETU Carlo after their perpetual cup win. Also, we'll be talking football because SETU Carlo, yes, you guessed it, came away with a Divisions 2 Freshers Football League title. Christy Bulger joins us on that one. We'll have post-match reaction from our three live games that we covered on KCLR this weekend. St. Kieran's College's clash with Cashel, Carlo's clash with London. And of course, we'll have the Camogie girls getting their first win against Dublin in the league. And you can also hear our massive interview with All-Ireland winning manager with Wexford, Mr. Liam Griffin. Very interesting things to say in that one. Gary Kyo joins us to talk all things Marble City Boxing while Joe Sheehan fills us in on what's happening in the Greyhound world. But we'll kick things off with the man who scored two penalties against Southampton in the FA Cup, Mr. Gavin Houlihan. Welcome to Scoreline. It is myself, Shane O'Keefe, here with you until 6 o'clock. As you just heard, Carlo are coming away from England with the victory after a 13-point to 9-point victory over London. But we're going back to the UK now, and not to talk to Brendan Hennessy or Willie Quinlan as much as we love to speak with him, but we love speaking to this man, doing Kenny Prout across the pond. You've heard about his heroics with back-to-back promotions with two different clubs, Hartypool, of course, and now with Grimsby. And yes, you've heard it on KCLR all throughout the week. We were absolutely buzzing watching the game Wednesday night and ecstatic when we were reporting the news on Thursday morning. Mr. Gavin Houlihan scoring a brace as Grinsby reached the next round of the FA Cup, the last eight for the first time since the 1930s. Gavin Houlihan, of course, is that name of the man who scored those two penalties and he's joining me now on the line. Gavin, first of all, massive congratulations. How are you, Shane? Oh, thanks very much, bud. Thanks very much. Have, have cel- I know you had a game uh, there last night, but have celebrations even died down a bit? Like, how do you refocus after reaching such a high? Um, it's, look, to be honest, it was fairly, um, it was, it was fairly quick turnaround. Um, you know, the celebrations the other night after the game was pretty tame. We went back to the hotel, and uh, the staff allowed us, uh, you know, to have a point each. But that was that was basically it, really, because uh, we obviously had the the league and then on the Saturday. So um, yeah, it was just yeah fully focused on that then um, the next game yeah it's always a quick turnaround time when you're when you're looking at teams down in League 2 because there's so many games to play because there's so many teams participating but just focusing on that game on Thursday night everyone is commenting online about how ice cold you were when you're stepping up in that situation when you're stepping up to a penalty I know Gavin Bazunu wasn't in goal at the time but you're stepping up to a penalty against Premier League opposition like what goes through your mind um, look, I suppose it's look. You know, the obviously it's a it's a pr- pressure pressure moment, but you just have to just try and calm yourself down, and that's what I tried to do. Just obviously, I I practiced a few a few the day before in training, and um, um and yeah, just 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 backing yourself and just being confident that you know if you just stick stick to what you, you've obviously practiced and um you know be decisive in which side you're going that um you know you'll get the right outcome and luckily luckily, um, luckily it went in for me and not only one went in for you two of them went in for you so when you're when you're coming up on the the second penalty obviously there's a lot 
maybe a bit more kind of tactical nuance from your own perspective because you're going to go the same side the keepers probably studied me of what I've done before in the past Do you, is there doubt in your head I know you have to pick a side and stick with it but coming in stepping up for the second penalty do you have a small bit more doubt on that? Yeah look I suppose that's that's probably the, the, the difficult bit when obviously you get two penalties in a game which is like it's very unusual it doesn't, it doesn't happen happen that, that regular but um, yeah it's, it's just you're kind of going over in your mind do you change size or do you change technique or um, yeah you kind of just have to go through that in your head but look I didn't really have much time to to uh, to go over that to go back and forth in my head it was just about look I'll, I'll pick a side I'll stick with it um, and just try and get a good contact on it and you know hopefully it goes in and, and luckily it did like and a lot, a lot's been obviously made and rightfully so about you getting the two goals. But it was a man of the match performance all around for yourself. And when they score, you go down to two one. Then Theo Walcott has a goal in the back of the net, and then that's kind of ruled out. Is as 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 someone who's probably used to pressure situations because you were in those promotion battles last season. Like, are, are you confident now that after that VAR goal or the goal got ruled out? that you're going to go on and win this? Or is it a very nervy final, what, 16 minutes at that stage because of the six minutes at a time? Yeah, I'll be honest, the last, uh, yeah, the last 15 minutes, 10 minutes or so, it just seemed like a lifetime. It's just, um, yeah, the clock didn't seem to be running down at all. But um, yeah, look, we, we knew it was going to be back to the walls. Obviously, after they'd, they'd, they'd pegged one back and made it 2-1. Um so yeah, we knew we had to we had to dig in and just throw bodies on the line, and um, we did that. I thought we, you know, as a group, we all defended brilliantly, like, and um, you know, in keeping them out. I know there was a bit of luck along the way, obviously, with the VAR decision and stuff. But um, no, I thought I, I thought to a man, I think everyone was uh, everyone was brilliant. Yeah, it was it was just fascinating to watch because um, I had one monitor on the Manchester United game being a Manchester United supporter, but I was more gripped to what was happening in your game and even seeing the groundswell of support on social media from people in Kilkenny that know you. Um, it, it was just brilliant to be able to see different people who've played with you at Evergreen or have followed your journey along since you signed with Hull from, at such a young age. It was just brilliant to see how happy and how proud they were of you over there. Oh yeah, massively. Look, I've, I've uh, over the past few days, um, obviously been getting you know well wishes and uh, and lots of congratulations messages, which I really appreciate. Obviously, I know obviously I, I'm you know massively supported by by people back home, which which obviously means a lot to me. And um, yeah, no, it was it, it was nice. Got some got some nice messages, and um, yeah, hopefully hopefully we can. Uh, we can, you know, give 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 some of the people back home support me. You know, something else to cheer about now in the next round. Oh, no doubt about it. Because like even like the Southampton game is impressive as well. But there was a tough game before that in the FA Cup when you're coming up against Luton Town, who are by all accounts doing quite well, and you're bringing that then into a, a replay and then just absolutely wipe the floor with them. Um, there there seems to be like the, everyone talks about the magic of the cup, and then other people give out about the FA Cup and say it's a distraction and. The, the the magic was surely there on that night. It must be felt against Luton when you had that amazing result. Then against Southampton, and now coming up against another South Coast side in Brighton. Yeah, look, look for us. It's uh, for other clubs. Obviously, it probably hasn't worked out that way. But for us, you know, we're lucky that that has. And yeah, you know, the magic of the cup has has definitely been been there for us. Um, I know we've done it the we've done it the toughest way possible. The run the run that we've had, you know, to get to the, to, to the quarterfinals is. 
is probably the the toughest run anyone will ever do it. Um, so yeah, we definitely earned that place, and you know we needed. I suppose, like you said, we did need that magic of the cup and that bit of luck. And um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know the luck was on our side for for, for, for the games that coming through and the, you know the game the other night. Were you hoping to avoid Manchester United, or would you prefer to have got them? No, I was desperate for them. <laughs> Obviously, you know me, Shane, I'm a massive United supporter, so I was, yeah, I was praying for for United at Old Trafford. But um, ah, look, it wasn't meant to be. So, uh, but look, you can't turn your nose up for playing a, you know, another another big big Premier League team away from home. So. Well, look, we're just gonna we're just gonna have to turn them over, and then hopefully we get United then in the semis at Wembley, which would be uh, even just saying that is just it, it's pretty ridiculous. Like yeah, spine tingling to to think of. Um, Gavin, the reverence that the Kilkenny folks had for you was obviously evident to see on social media, but Hartlepool fans as well, where you played your trade for so long, helped them get promotion, then you made the switch to Grimsby last season, helped them get promoted. But Hartlepool fans coming out in in their droves just to say even saying come back Gavin <laughs> we want you back Gavin and stuff like you've really left an impact on all, uh, uh, all these places that you've played yeah look I, look, I suppose I suppose I have done and yeah I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that I'm proud of obviously what I managed to achieve at, at Hartlepool and like we spoke before you know have unbelievably fond memories there and uh, you know and will always hold the club close to my heart and yeah no it means a lot obviously to see See uh, some of the you know the Hartlepool fans still support me and um, you know sending me um, you know best wishes and stuff like that. So um, no, it means a lot and it, it, it's definitely something that you know that that gives you that extra extra motivation, I suppose. Yeah, seeing Jeff Stellan and everything on Soccer Saturday yeah. talking about you, but Gavin, um, just before I let you go, because I'm conscious as a Man United fan, you want to get all that pre-match build-up for Manchester United and Liverpool as well, and I might talk yeah. to you a bit about that in a second. But uh, there is another Kilkenny man, a former Kilkenny minor, looking to get promotion into the Football League with Wrexham. Tom O'Connor. Um, considering that you've done it twice, like, would there be any particular advice that you would would uh, that you may have given before, or you know, would you just kind of stay out of each other's way or anything like that? Would Kenny Folk really talk to people who are playing their trade over uh, across the pond in the UK? I've not spoken to him him personally, no. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely keep an eye out for for the Wrexham results, obviously, because he's you know he's obviously playing from. Um, yeah, no. Hopefully, hopefully they can do it this year. Um, you know, there's obviously massive pressure on them with the with the money that's been pumped into the club to to uh, to go up this year. So. Um, no, fingers fingers crossed they can do it. I suppose it's just it's just about keeping keeping your nerve. Like obviously every game is is going to be a cup final. Um, teams are going to raise their game against them, so it's about just keeping your nerve and just keep keep ticking ticking the wins off. Well, speaking of cup finals, hopefully we'll be able to shout you one from afar here, Gavin. It's just amazing to follow your journey and Tom's journey. Shawnee Maguire making that switch to Coventry, Jimmy Cohan, just all, all the lads across the pond that are doing Kilkenny soccer proud. Um, as I said, I'm conscious you have the Man United game coming up. I just want to get your prediction and maybe your thoughts on what Eric Ten Hag has been able to do at the club. Uh, I'm, I'm just loving it at the minute. It's it's the first time in, in, in years that you know I feel like the club's Clubs heading in in the direction it needs to, to, to you know to head in and Ten Hag is obviously a massive part of that. You can see there's an identity to the club now again, and um, you know he's he's getting the best out of you know the, obviously the players he's brought in have, have been brilliant, but even the players that were there for the last couple of years, he seems to have got you know an extra couple of couple of gears out of them as well, which is impressive. So um, yeah, today's a massive game. Obviously, if they can 
you know, I'm confident going into it, which which I haven't been in many years going to Anfield. So I probably my prediction is probably I'd I'd, I'd probably go United two one today. That's, Maybe that's two penalties for from Bruno Fernandes. You might teach him a thing or <laughs> two. Uh, Gavin, know, yeah. Gavin, thank you so much for talking with me. I know it's a very busy schedule. Um, I know you had a game there yesterday, so rest up. Enjoy the Manchester United game. Uh, it's just great to hear Gavin on KCLR from your Auntie Jer as well. She's saying she's so proud. Um, so we're all so proud of you, Gavin, and we wish you nothing but the best in the league and up against Brighton on Paddy's weekend. Uh, top man, appreciate it, Chad. Top man. Gavin Hoolan, ladies and gentlemen, doing Kilkenny soccer proud, doing Irish soccer proud over with Grimsby after coming off, scoring a brace against Southampton in the FA Cup. Not many people can say that they were able to do that. We're going to take a quick ad break there. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Scoreline. It is myself, Shane O'Keefe, here with you until six o'clock. And you know I love talking about all things football. I love all things sports, to be honest. And we were just hearing from Gavin Houlihan there, who joined us after Grimsby's victory over Southampton in the FA Cup, getting to the quarterfinals for the first time since 1939. The lowest-ranked side at the time, and obviously still is, left in the FA Cup with Grimsby in around 16th position, I believe, in League Two. We love talking about local successes. And we generally get to talk about a lot of local successes when it comes to SETU Carlow, always doing the county proud. And they did it once again. They did it on Thursday night in the football. I'll be talking to Christy Bulger very, very soon. But now I'm going to continue the soccer talk when I'm joined by Sean Keane on the line who helped SETU Carlow to two great victories during the past week. Sean, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. Oh, Paul and Tal, how are you? I'm very good, I'm very good. I'm delighted when we get to see all these local successes happen. And first of all, dealing with the Perpetual Cup, just another one yeah. to add to your ball. Yeah, no, it's very good, very good. And the last couple of weeks, the boys have been doing very well. And to get a trophy, kind of just all the hard work you've been doing. And when you get trophies at the end of the day, nothing beats it, you know? I remember talking to, to Connor Walsh um, after yeah. the winning the Perpetual Cup, I think back in 2020 that was. Uh, he ended yeah. up beating IT Sligo on the day 4-1. And he was saying how a lot of the players, you know, the nature of college will be moving on. You know, they're in their last year. I think there was Shane Barnes and Sean Hurley. They're all yeah. in their fourth year. So a good few of them would be moving on. So how are you able to kind of keep that train rolling really what is it about SETU Carlo that seems to be attracting these players to go on and win a perpetual cup well obviously before 2020 the college had really good success in, in all the tournaments across the football Yeah, and um, the last two three years have been a little drop because obviously as you said players are moving on and the recruitment on the other side of it you know but this year we got good players in first year back in again and in fairness everyone just got together and we were lucky to get good draws in the cup and have a good victory in the final but it's definitely this is where we want to be going like we're on the we're on the right road to getting more wins hopefully down the line but the last two to three years have been kind of ups and downs and we want to get back onto that winning format you know and you certainly seem to be on a winning format just seeing that game the other day and seeing the updates that were coming for it like you really kind of put the bed or game to bed after the first 30 minutes I think there was three goals within a seven minute yeah. period very similar to the Casey Lorne McCallman Cup last year when Evergreen bet Thomastown 4-0 but the, the, the main crux of those goals came in such a short period it really helps kill the game dead is that a conscious effort on behalf of the coaches to be able to kind of lift things up on the maybe after the first quarter and then just go all hell for leather or is it just something that happens naturally in the game? 
was a bit of both. In fairness, like the first 15, 20 minutes, Leonard Kenny were the better side and they had two very good chances where they could have been 2-0 up. They didn't take their chances and then obviously we got into the game as the, second, as the first half grew into it. We take our first chance and then after the first goal, I mean, the, the, the boys were fantastic. Like Every goal was well worked and really good finishes. The two boys up top were fantastic. So like it could have been a different game. We could have been in a half-time 2-0 down. Thankfully, we weren't. We were 4 up at half-time and obviously the game is more or less put to bed by then and then you just have to try and stay professional throughout the game and get over the line, you know, but it could have been a different game. It could have been different. Having someone like, uh, say, the the captain, I believe, was Ushin, um Hand yeah. at the time, but, like, does he, when you go 3-0 up, like, does he have to kind of be the, the boss man out on the pitch because he's the captain, but does he have to be able to tell the lads, look, we need to keep going with this, we can't rest on our laurels? 100%. Like, we've seen it happen... Over, over games this season, even last season, like at any level, like Oshin is a really good leader out there. And whether it's one and up or you're three and up, you got to keep the standard tight and then play through to the final whistle plays. And then after, if we win the game afterwards, we can, we can celebrate then. But Oshin, along many other players, Evan Farrell, Matt Butler, there's many more I can name out there that, that kept the levels really high throughout the game and never let Leather Kenny into the game, you know. So, Ushin Han was definitely one of those key characters, brings a lot of resilience into the team as well. But yeah, it's very important to keep that kind of standard and professionalism no matter what the score is. And having someone then like Matt Butler getting four goals as well really yeah. kind of really kind of helps things along, doesn't it? Uh, Matt Butler was very good. He was probably disappointed not to get man of the match. Um didn't go to him that day, but to get four goals in the in the cup final. Four really well taken goals as well between himself and Evan up top. They they moved. They were just very good together as a pair. And when they're like that, because to be honest with you, the quality in the side from one to eleven and all the all the subs, it's very good quality. It's just can we be consistent with it? And in fairness, cup final day, the boys are very consistent and they play their quality out. Like you know. So where are all these players coming from then? Is it is it mainly in the southeast area? Do you have people kind of coming from different parts of the country, different provinces? We have players all over, you know. Um, most of them are all League of Ireland players throughout. Mm. We have we have a few international students as well. We have players not on the football course, so obviously we have one of one of the players on the course. He's from Slovakia, so he can, he's come over. He's added a lot of resilience into the team. But yeah, players come from all from Dublin. From Connacht, everywhere, all around the country. So it's um, it's good to bring players in from different areas because they all bring bring different styles of play towards them, you know. So it's good to have that kind of balance within the squad and different players from all areas. I know that there's a, a Kenny man involved at G as well, Mister Dino Broders. Um, he's obviously done great things yeah. out in Highview. He's working with the FAI as well. Is he the manager of the site? He's involved, highly involved in in the squad. So like it's very good. What we have is we have Dean Broders involved. We have our our coaching mentors in the college, like of Paul O'Reilly and Luke Hardy. They're all they all get behind us, and it's very good to have those kind of coach coach educators and people who've been there, done that. Like Dean's obviously been the college. He's won all these trophies in the college, so he's been there. He's done that. He came in whenever he could come in, he's, and he's given us as a squad a lot of ideas, a lot of tips, and uh, he helped us over the line. And then on the on the ladies' side of things as well, how are things going there? Very good. Um, so obviously on Tuesday night, we 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 had our win out in Athlone in the cup. But then the Wednesday, the next day, 
the women's had their quarterfinals against a very good main side and they they won three one and to be honest they're they're getting stronger and stronger. I believe next year hopefully they'll even be even stronger and they're um, they're recruiting a lot of players in the women's national league. So yeah, the women's are on a are on a real good season. Hopefully they can progress through their semi final and get to another final. Uh, so when will the final be played, Sean? For the women. Yeah. They have to play the semi final, I think, next week and if they win that they're into a final. Brilliant. So hopefully we'll be having you on again, having a chat with us. Uh, you mentioned a few times there as well the the, the course that uh, if that happens in SETU, Carol. And we had Luke yeah. Hardy talking about it quite uh, quite a while ago, I'd say, at this stage. Just for our listeners who may not be aware of it, what exactly is it? So there's a course in SETU, Carlo. So it's the FAI ran course, course management and coaching, and it's ran by Paul O'Reilly and Luke Hardy, two two employees of the FAI who work in SETU, Carlo. And it's a course for anybody who wants a game wants a job in the game of football whether that's coaching or you want to improve as a player so I'm luckily to be doing the course I'm in third year of the course and for anyone out there listening to it like listen to me now I'd say if you you want a game you want a job in the game 100% the course is very good in terms of coach education and player development To Scoreline is the last hour of the show. Earlier on, we spoke to Sean Keane after SETU Carlo had a tremendous victory on Wednesday in the Perpetual Cup against Donegal. ATU Donegal. Well, it wasn't the only bit of success for SETU Carlo. Yes, you would have heard on our news during the week that the Freshers Football League, All Ireland Freshers Football League, was won by SETU Carlo. The man who oversaw that victory was none other than former Airog manager. Mr. Christy Bulger. Christy, thanks very much for taking the time, sir. How are you? How are things? I'm very good. A celebration somewhat died down or is it still going on? Uh, I wouldn't know. I was relieved myself uh, on Thursday night and I was at home with a baby monitor on my lap by half nine. <laughs> uh, but, but the lads seem to have a good, uh, I've had a good night. And uh, yeah, I suppose the relief turned to joy there. Um, on on Friday and yesterday, you could actually enjoy it and take it all in. The, the actual game itself, then it was one fourteen to one ten, but there were some nervy no- moments in there. You know, you had an early score and burst in the second half, but there was a few nervy moments in the game, was there? Uh, yeah, I suppose we went in a half time nine five up, and the message was let's keep doing what we're doing, uh, keep it very simple, limit the players on the ball and kind of keep the scoreboard ticking over because we knew they're an excellent side they have some top class footballers and they were going to have a popular patch in the game and it was just that we wanted enough in the bank to see it out um, and we did thank God Yeah it's a, it's a tremendous result uh, especially when you consider how the Sigerson went for, for the college as well this is really a lovely building ground for, for future success for the college yeah, I think that's the big thing. It is, it's just it's getting a foothold and laying the foundation that there's a clear pathway to kind of Sigerson that it's not ad hoc and you're just hoping to see what comes in through the door. Um, a huge amount of time and effort goes into it from both the players, management, and then we're kind of very well supported uh, with Dolly McNally and Alan Nolan in the in the IT or in Setu in the college. So yeah, it's look, it's it's a work in progress. Um, but it's nice to get a reward for the time and effort that goes into it. 
When you're managing like players that are coming from all over the country, not just Carlo, and now of course you've had the likes of Derek Cullen playing with Ratfilly and Owen Byrne playing with Air Rogue, and you have a lot of Carlo contingency in there, but you're managing people from Wexford, from Kildare, from Leash, from all different parts of, of, of Leinster, and indeed in some different parts of the country as well. Uh, how hard and difficult is that when people might have grown up in a, a, with a club ethos of maybe it's a bit defensive? or a, How hard is that for you to manage? Yeah, I suppose like as a management team, you kind of, you have to be on your game because you're looking there. There's eleven lads from Kildare who win an All Ireland under twenties uh, final last year. Um, like so, if you're not up to your game, they'll they'll find you out fairly quick. So you're just trying to really create an environment where everyone belongs in it and have fun, kind of keep it nice and relaxed. And even at training, you're just trying to. You're not trying to break anyone. You're just trying to get them up to the field, get an hour's walk done, walk through a few bits and pieces and try to implement some sort of system of play that suits the players that we have in front of us. Um, and I suppose IT football or higher education football is a bit like secondary school. You don't know what you're going to turn up to mm. and what players you have until you actually arrive to the restroom that evening because lads get sick, lads are called away, lads have assignments to do. Um, so it's just, it's it's very much uh, thinking on your feet. And it's the same when you're trying to analyse opposition as well. One week, someone could be very poor, but could have a completely different team the next week when you're playing them. So yeah, it keeps you on your toes and it's great. It's, re- it's a great buzz because you're being challenged as a management team, but you're, you're also challenging the players to kind of gel together and, and implement what's been asked of them. Is it difficult to manage then? You mentioned that the inter-county players are, are there and you you generally hear uh, sometimes about kind of maybe player welfare and players overtraining and stuff when they're playing inter-county, they're playing with their, or might be training with their club and then they're playing either Fitzgibbon or Sigerson or indeed fresher football as well. Is that a difficult aspect to manage, Christy? Uh, I suppose it is because there's there's plenty of uh, wheels turning and you're juggling a lot of plates or spinning a lot of plates in the air. But like from our point of view as a management team, we don't put the gun to anyone's head. Yeah. Um, it's like if if they're feeling tired or fatigued, say, oh, just watch it. Um, like they're in college at the end of the day, they're young men. Um, we don't need to be breaking anybody. We're here to kind of just create a good environment for them, an environment that they want to be in. Um, and create friends, I suppose, lifelong friends, because it's it's a, it's a college experience at the end of the day. But uh, from my point of view, I've been a manager of underage county teams, and that um, you're you're just trying to find a balance. And as I said, but like if lads come, some of the county players, senior county players, they wouldn't have really trained with us, but you'd ask them to come down and maybe watch the walkthroughs for twenty thirty minutes before they head off to their own senior training. And that's the same with club players. Like if there's big matches coming up, like don't come and train with us this week. That's grand. We'll see you next week. So it's just it's just finding the balance. That's all. And how intensive then is is the training? Would you be going a few nights a week or anything like that? No, we once the matches start, we train we train for an hour an hour and fifteen minutes max on a Monday night, and usually the matches are on a Thursday night. And um, the window is quite small. It's only four or five weeks once we turn after Christmas into kind of the championship. So we just asked for that small bit of commitment. Monday evening, an hour at five o'clock down in, in the college and then a matches wherever we're drawn, whether it's home or away. And would you have many dual players at all, uh, Christy? Uh, we, we'd have a few, yeah, there'd be a few. And I suppose 
with the Jude players, one or two of them just had to drop off because of their commitments with the county and that. Of course. Uh, with the football. But that's grand as well. Like, the college is there to cater for lads. And, like, but we, we definitely have three or four Jude players. But again, never an issue, I suppose, once the lads are open and honest and as a college, we kind of are well-structured that there's no overlapping fixtures. It, it, there's, there's room there for everybody. Yeah, I, I just look. I think it was the, at the start of February when we were talking about it, uh, the, the, everything getting kicked off when you were going up against Trinity as well. Have you have you enjoyed the experience then overall? Of course, it's easy to say you've enjoyed it when you've won it, but have you enjoyed the experience of this? Uh, to be honest, I love it. I love uh, like for me as a coach manager said, like as I said, like you're being challenged every week and every every game, um, and then every year it's a different crop of players. So you have to come up with new kind of strategies or systems of play that just suits the players that are in front of you. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really enjoyable. It's it's nice as well with a college setting that like it's it's away from the club. It's a it's a relaxed and kind of fun environment. It's a place where lads want to be, and um, yeah, it's just overall it's just a really good good experience for all of us to be honest and, and getting away then from the, the university side of things does, is there anything from a club perspective that you're getting involved with? I know that you were with Collection as well previously um, I'm with Cullen at the moment in Clare so we're seven eight weeks into it lovely um, we're just after finishing up uh, three rounds of the cup there pre-season cup and the league starts in three weeks so yeah the last since Christmas it's been all go um, <laughs> You know, five nights a week but look we wouldn't have it any other way I've plenty of time to sit down Well Christy thanks very much for kind of filling us in on everything that was happening in SETU Carlo I wish you nothing but the best then with Kilcullen coming up in the coming season it's going to sound exciting no doubt for you you can tell how much or how passionate you are in regards to football and thanks very much for speaking to us today Shane you're more than welcome thanks for having me on Great, and I suppose for us, um, missing four or five key players that'd be the first on your list coming to London with a full team. You know, there's plenty of teams to get turned over. You know, Leitrim had to get three goals here to win by two points. Um, but yeah, look, we learned a hell of a lot from last week. You know, we we made shocking mistakes bringing the ball into the tackle, and even though we did it a couple of times, and that's going to happen in games, I just felt that we were way more in control this time, and we worked on that all week. Um, but I think Dara Bryan made a massive difference in terms of just that experience up front, holding on to the ball when it was needed. Um, no, we overdid it the other time as well. But um, no, great performance. Touch Jordan Morrissey, probably his best game. Three points. Well, three points, but real control yeah. uh, and, and commanded. And look, we, we're going to need the likes of Jordan to do that going forward. Um, so I thought he really came of age, even though he's playing a long time and there's, there's big talk about Jordan, and rightly so. But we just need him control and everything like that. Um, so yeah, very pleased with, with everyone. Like, they're, they're a great bunch of lads. Kieran Moore showed his experience towards the end there as well. Yeah, to be fair, and I'll mention second half you had because there's been a few disciplinary problems. And I know we did a bad decision this night. I thought the referee today was excellent. But in fairness, I don't think Carla put a foot wrong in that second half from a discipline point of view I know there was a card that the linesman called but these things happen in games and you know London could have had one as well he gave him a yellow these things happen but in relation to the niggly silly foul you were giving away in the first half that didn't happen in the second so the lads got everything right Yeah look we had a real honest conversation uh, on Monday after the game we, we met in in Carlow and we just said look lads 
we've no control over poor refereeing decisions and we may get on with it but we have control over what we say when a, ref, when a decision is given against us and I felt today we did that uh, we grew up um, and I think staying the night away we spoke about it at length last night um, I think probably matured us as well coming into today's game because um, look it wasn't the perfect performance today but we grinded it out was and, a win. We, and we controlled it yeah. was a win. Yeah. Uh, Carlo people are happy Niall because I know how passionate you are about this team and you brought a great uh, what way would I put it a unity of, of this panel and you're very proud of the lads and there's lots of young lads coming in you know, Liam Brennan had a great game there tonight you brought him in there a few months ago and you know a lot of fellas have played well new experienced players Liam Roberts I thought was excellent to the cornerback so collectively you did well I got a few palpitations when I seen Cunningham on the 45 at the opposite end of the park but I think you did that because you were down to minus one outfield player yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. do that again. <laughs> he loves coming out, alright. Um, but yeah, look, and he, he linked to play well for us. Um, but look, we know we just can't be without the quality of Jamie Clark and we can't be without the quality of Conor Crowley um, going forward when you're playing bigger teams but today I felt was massive character from the yeah, boys yeah. Um, like we could have come in here and we could have decided look you know what lads um, you know will we bother at all the league has gone in this um, but Eamon O'Callaghan who's our performance manager you know, we sat down Monday after we went through our, our mistakes, etc., and we just put 41 up on the board, and he went through that. And that 41 days was to reset and to remember the next three games as preparation for the Wicklow match. Okay. And so straight away then our focus was, okay, promotion is over hands, let's go for Wicklow, and let's focus on that. Because I think when the ground hardens up even more, I think we're a real pacey team. I think we'll trouble. You're top a, of the ground team, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. really are. And we don't have the big men like Carla used to. Um, we've more willy type players now um, who are good on the ball and pacey. And you need to play a specific game plan for that. You can't have the likes of uh, Dara Bryan up on his own. Uh, you know, you, no more than when Willie was playing. He needs lads around him so they can link him and then he can link to play back. But Ross Dunphy was excellent today. Um, he's such a great man to win the ball. Now he can frustrate. I'm sure you here and ourselves but overall I thought Rossi he's such I mean he's such a leader in terms of he wants the ball the whole time and generally he gets it um, and I don't know what he scored after um, two points he got two points yeah so yeah. I mean he, he, was, he's a big was, player for us there was a lovely bit of interlinking as well you introduced Dara Curran late in the game as well he's got plenty of pace as well but himself and Josh Moore they're linked well and they're two really new kids on the block even though they're around the way but they're young lads you know I think Dara won his first county medal at 18 years of age with Rad Philly and you know uses experience when he came in was only in fresh on the field bang straight to the middle carried a great ball gave it to Josh move it and score over the bar absolutely and Paddy Regan got his run as yeah, well and, yeah. and, and like these boys that's why when, when you're playing five or six new lads like that all together you're in trouble because and, and that's probably what happened nearly against Leitrim with Crowley going off and the three or four injuries and um, I, I just think that you need experience and you can only blend in one or two lads then straight away yeah. when, you, when you bring them all in together we're just we just don't have the numbers for that um, but look I mean we're getting great support I mean the, the crowd against Leash was unbelievable we had a good crowd in Leach from last week and we were disappointed um, you know getting the three lads sent off and we spoke at length but I think it was a good learning curve for us um, but look you boys here have been so supportive of us as, as well and don't underestimate that 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 feeds right back into players and in, into our setup. you can say you can block it off but you can't and I think for Carlo we just have to block out that negativity you know and it's, it's minute at the moment I'm going to keep 
you know, people that are knocking us, just keep them away from the scene and keep them away from the setup because these are young lads. And I'll be honest with you, lads, I've worked and played with loads of teams in football in Ireland all my life. And I tell you, this is. Um, I mean, it's a really genuine group. Yeah, you know about them. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're really genuine. They've no airs or graces, and they want to do what's best for Carlo. And hopefully, we get the just rewards when the summer okay. uh, happens. Just a word on. I know you're a pro Kildareman as well, which is Carlo manager. You're officially a Carlo man at the moment, anyway. Niall, a big contingent from Carlo here today, and lots of the Carlo UK-based people have travelled, and a lot of people have travelled over as well, which is great for the team because you could hear the Carlo roar there when you were under pressure. They got them back into the game, and when scores went over, and you know they were here in. in in big numbers today and they're brilliant and look even in the hotel a few of them were staying and they were backing the lads and the lads appreciate that and Dara Foley just said that who was a super leader for us like Dara and Jordan were just saying lads look people have spent a lot of money to come over and see us um, and they were there supporting us and it's great and I, I just think there's such an appetite for football in Carlo there really is such an appetite I mean all you have to do is look at the, you know, the gate there when we played leash I mean I mean, there wouldn't be that Division 1 games. No. Um, so, for me, the appetite is there, and we just have to back this group. You know, really have to back them, and uh, I'm hoping that we can just get another few more wins for them. Two league games left, Wexford and Sligo. Sligo first, I think, Wexford second. Correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Sligo first. Um, Kieran Moran is getting married. Um, now, he told me this at the beginning, so he's out for the Sligo match, and I want to wish him well, and his wife to be. Um, so, he'd be a big loss to us, uh, but he's back then for the Wexford game. Um, but other than that... No honeymoon. No honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> well listen I'm not going to delay you you want to get into the lads night. I appreciate you coming up the last time we were here with the hurlers Colin Bonner come up so we're in a great position there thanks for your kind compliments well done on the win today safe journey home to you and the lads before you do go I know you're a big horsey man what's your nap for Cheltenham now we've lots of listeners out there today anything picked for us yet no no I'll stay away from that all, all I'm worried about is Carlo lads okay good man yourself well listen thanks for joining us and well done today Niall Now I'm delighted to say Liam Griffin joins me on the line to speak about underage participation in hurling. Liam, how are you? Thanks ever so much for speaking to me today. You're welcome, Robert. No problem. Liam, we spoke to you almost exactly this time one year ago about the alarming rates of drop-off in hurling and people not even picking up a hurl You know, at six, seven years of age or whatever age. It might be quite young children. How do you feel it's moved on since then? I know you, you, your club, St. Mary's in Wexford, brought a motion to Congress recently about trying to get most clubs in Ireland to, or all clubs in Ireland, to um, have hurling teams from up to under 12, I believe it was. Ha, did that motion pass, I suppose, for our listeners maybe that don't know? And has it moved on at all, do you feel? Well, no, the motion didn't get through. Um, and I'll tell you what, that happened, what happened there in a minute, but... Um, <clears throat> after I spoke to you last year, the Sheffield Hallam University um, carried out a survey of Irish sport for the Irish Sports Council. And it was revealed during the summer there when that came to, uh, report came out that hurling has actually slipped out of the top 10 sports played in Ireland at the moment. And uh, that to me is... Uh, an unbelievable shame to think that the national game would fall into the top 10 sports played in, in, uh, or participated in, in in the country, in the island of Ireland. So from my perspective, uh, you know, what are you going to do about something like that? So we put a motion together that I'd already put together last year, uh, the previous year, like 2021, and uh, that didn't make it through to Congress. So we had to amend it 
And when we amended it, we put it back to Congress again this year for boys from the age of seven to ten that each uh, club would have a hurling nursery. And um, from from the point of view of of seeing that past, you'd be surprised that uh, it didn't even get a debate. And I'll tell you the I'll tell you the details behind that in a minute and why. So we're we're no further down the road, and this thing is on. With me, it's three years on the run. So, so a boy of nine is now twelve. So he's over age for what we're trying to do now. And how disappointing is that, Liam? I suppose is the next question because it seems very common. It's it's common sense that you would want people to pick up a hurl, but it doesn't seem to be tapping into a lot of clubs at all. Yeah, well, when you see. Um, uh, Martin Fogarty, who went to do an awful lot in that, and the frustration that it's, uh, that he had when he was trying to be involved in the hurl, in hurling and trying to grow it and develop it hurling, and a very passionate hurling man, uh, and and previous people before him as well. Now, the, you know, we haven't really made progress at hurling, and it's it's interesting to watch uh, participation in sport. For example. If you want to play soccer, if you want to play rugby, if you want to play, I don't know, whatever, you can play it. We actually have what you could call an apartheid system, and that's our own rules and regulations. For example, parish rule decrees or can decree, if people want to make a decree, that uh, if your club doesn't have a hurling team, well, you can't play hurling. You can't actually play the game. And we brought this in, uh, tried to get in. Uh, I, I did some work with John Hannessy, who was very good on rules and regulations. And by the way, you'd want to be a barrister to work your way through uh, our, our system to get anything passed. That's my fifth attempt to get something through and different, and different things. I never got one through ever, and I think they were all fair. Uh, and I'm saying that myself because I was well thought out, I thought. But anyway, the point is that if we're not going to provide hurling for boys in every single club in the country, uh, we have made it very easy to, to accommodate that. In that, if you, we wanted to put in that we only went 7 to, 10, seven to 12 years of age because the first, uh, the, first com- the first competition areas comes in at maybe 13 years of age. So there was no, there was no uh, compelling to enter competitions. So we thought of more like uh, mini games between the kids with plenty of coaching to give them the, to give them the, the skill set to be capable of playing the game of hurling. And we asked that every club in the country should provide a hurling nursery. Because don't forget, the GAA was a poor organisation many years ago. It's far from poor now, and we have a lot of people who are in, in, in the, involved in the coaching area. And we are now in a position that we could actually train coaches ourselves and bring forward the whole hurling, uh, uh, you know, what we want for hurling. It's the national game. It's part of the, the national, uh, like, like Gaelic football. And we need to grow the numbers. Uh, and that's a fact in hurling. Because if you don't grow the numbers, you don't have population to play the game. And in 2013, um, the ERSI report came out to say that in Gaelic football, there was a 70% dropout from the age of 21 to 26 and a 60% dropout in hurling. So here we have the stats... And now we're all, like most team managers are obsessed with stats now at this stage. And we now have a leak at the top and we don't have the bottom working to fill, fill, fill up the spaces. So we really, we really do need to address the game of hurling and we really need to have a serious address of it and do something that's uh, seriously going to work and think it through. 
So we felt that putting forward the idea that you'd have a hurling nursery in every GA club was a noble uh, desire, and we felt that it should happen. So, like, you know, if your club doesn't have a hurling team, you cannot play hurling. And a lot of people now work away from home, and if we taught them the skills of hurling, when they move from one county to another, they could bring their skill sets with them and could participate in the game. So under no, under no, under no, if you, no matter what way you look at this, we are not doing enough to develop the game of hurling. And this was just to be a start and a simple, uh, a simple request. I didn't even get a debate. I didn't even get a debate. It was called to vote after it was after after it was seconded. And I mean, I would have thought. I think if I was a chairman or president of the GAA, I'd want to have a debate and hear the views of everybody. But that didn't happen. It was just taking a vote. And I got 35% of the vote. But that wasn't enough. The only good side was you can come back again next year because there's more than a, a third of the, of the people that voted in favour. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit soul-destroying because we, we actually pay a lip service to hurling all the time. But when it comes down to getting the job done, three years to try and get something through and uh, like it's it's beyond belief. I, I don't know if we have ourselves tied up in knots with our own rules and regulations. Soul destroying seems to be the perfect description because I remember how passionately and how eloquently also you spoke about it when you were speaking to us last year. And as I said, everything just seemed like common sense that you know it wouldn't be taken away from Gaelic football or any other sport for that matter to get more children playing hurling. It would just improve that particular sport. Why do you feel as though it's just been you know it's cast aside for want of a better term? I just believe there's not enough desire. And there's not enough, uh, there's not enough, there's not enough quality thinking about the game of hurling. I mean, we're just assuming that we can keep fielding teams. There'll be fielding teams forever, but uh, the standards won't be as good either because volume relates to standards, and we don't have enough volume of people playing the game of hurling. And let's be honest, like, I mean, I'm not trying to make little of an All Ireland. I'd be very happy if Wexford won an All Ireland again, but we're only talking about a blitz. Hurling uh, is only between six or seven counties in any one year. It's not between everybody. The other grades of hurling, uh, you know, obviously are being played as well separately. But uh, we, we really need to drive the standards up and have more teams appearing, like the Wexfords appeared in the 50s, like the Offaly's appeared then in the 70s and 80s. You know, and we haven't had emerging teams coming through. And the emerging teams, there's not enough volume of people playing the game for the standard to rise. In, in many places, although I was very impressed with Tourine, the Mayo team that got to an intermediate All-Ireland hurling final this year, and Naith last year, and they're up against it and they're still able to develop the game. Look, just because you're from Kilkenny doesn't mean you can be a great hurler. A fellow from, from Derry can't be a great hurler. Mind you, Derry is a dual county, and the fellow from Sligo can't be able to hurl. There's, there's, there's no secret to it, like. So we really do need to spread the game and we need to try and develop the game because it's not in a good place if we don't do that. And uh, I don't see why it can't be accepted we do it. But the desire, obviously, if we had the desire, it would be done. Is the problem... You're a Wexford man, as everybody knows. Yeah. I'm a Kilkenny I'm a person myself. We come from strongholds of hurling. Yeah. Then there's other counties maybe that aren't so big into hurling. Is the problem within counties like our own that we're not willing to grow it from outside the county? Or is it actually the other counties aren't willing to grow it from within their own counties? Or is it a bit of both? What do you see as the main issue? Well, I think I think there's an idea that uh, that Gaelic football will be blighted by hurling in certain clubs. I believe that that's what they feel that they want to win uh, an All Ireland in football because football is their is their first love. And I, I have no problem with football being their first love, but like uh, even winning a county final, they want to win a county final in football. 
But if the price of winning a county final is that you, you don't allow hurling in the club, it's not worth winning in my opinion. That's the, the, the principle of it. Because it is a national game. Now, people give out about Kilkenny that's not football. But there is some football in Kilkenny and there's plenty of games played in it. I know it's not the biggest priority. But the biggest thing is that that we don't allow people to get the choice to play hurling. That it's just an, an, an apartheid system where you cannot play, and that's absolutely uh, you know. I, I don't know any sport in the world that has that built around it. I understand why parish rule is modern, and parish rule has been very good in the GA, and there's good and bad in parish rule. There is good and bad in it as well, but this is something that's an absolute blight, because I know in Mayo that Ballyhannis had a school where have a, have a, had a hurling team in the, in the school and the feeder schools into the school had boys who started to play hurling in Ballyhannis and then suddenly they came back and said no you can't play for Ballyhannis anymore you can only play hurling now if there's a hurling in your own club and of course then the boys that had started couldn't play because there was no hurling so like that I don't know where that would happen like that you'd be actually by law be forbidden from playing because of the rules of the association so someone needs to really look at that I'm not qualified enough, and I am, I'd, I'd want to be a barrister, and I'm certainly not a barrister, but somebody needs to take some of these rules apart and say, what is this about? What is this doing for our game? Where is the merit in this? And why should a boy not get a chance to play hurling? And girls too, but I'm not representing Camogie. Why shouldn't every boy in the country have a chance to play hurling? And also, like I'm in business, and I go to lots of bits of business things, and I meet people who have you know just might talk to you about hurling and say oh god I'd love to have had a chance to play the game I mean and I would have heard that a thousand times from people oh I never got a chance to play the game you know so you know it, we we have an issue and I think it should be debated and it should be brought forward but you know what there's young people growing up to be uh, getting very old uh, and we still haven't got this thing right so I think it needs uh, an urgent push from the people at the top of the game if they're serious now, the biggest problem we have is that most of us are only concerned about our own counties. And I understand that. But somebody at the top has to be responsible for trying to grow our native game. And I, I'm not trying to be clever now when I'm saying this, and I'll be smart. Kate Middleton has got more coaching and playing hurling than some of the boys in Ireland. And so has Kri Chang Pang, or what they call him, from China. And all sorts of people are brought out to Crow Park and brought out there in March to give them hurlies. You know, you feel like going out and taking them off and saying, this is only a sham. You know, we, we are not even doing it for our own people. You know, so, like, that sounds a bit nasty, but it's, but it's not meant to be nasty. I'm just trying to highlight the point by making the point. Yeah, no, I completely understand where you're coming from there. Do you feel like a one-man army with the support of your club and the county that did, in fairness to them, uh, go forward with the motion? It doesn't seem like, you know, there, there's not many people seem to be behind you on this, unfortunately. No, no, no. Well, I'm used to that. Sure, I was the one who went up to Crow Park and looked for transparency, and I managed to be the only person in the world in sport that could bring in a motion for transparency before the before the members of it and get it voted down. So I'm not the man to be putting the motions anyway. I brought a motion when when in a in a Ryan lost his eye in Galway for helmets, and we know Tommy Welch before him has had the same. So, like, when we brought in a motion that helmets should be worn, it didn't even make the flower because somebody said uh, that if a fellow wandered onto the field in the middle of matching up into a holiday, the GA be responsible. But we have helmets 10 years later. It's the same as refereeing and wiring them up with, with, with uh, modern technology. Uh, and black cards and red cards and so forth. By the way, the black cards have been probably dealt out 
once in every thousand matches. But like from our perspective, we need to get serious about trying to trying to really make things happen. And I just think that our own rules and regulations and the way you have to go back and refer to Rule 6 and Rule 7 and Rule 46 and Rule 46B stroke C and you have to amend all those to get the job. I don't know who decided to tie us up in knots like that. It's a sporting organisation. It's not the four courts. Does that destroy forward thinking? And, and I ask that as well because pe- most people will know you, listen to this show on here, will know you from um, your time with Wexford and everything you've done the GA, but also you're an incredibly successful businessman. You're used to getting things done quite quickly, I would have thought, in that sort of area. Do you feel as though in the GA it's just everything's tied up and that's why there isn't as much progression as could be the case to help improve the games? Yeah, I don't understand why we can't do that because there's no reason why we can't. We've, like... We've, we've built our system to be able to turn around like a big whale when we need in the modern world to be able to turn like a minnow and turn quicker. So we need to be able to turn to suit the, suit the needs. That doesn't mean we genuflect before everything else. But if we see a good idea and it can do a, a betterment of our game, why wouldn't we be able to do it quickly and say, right, OK, that makes sense and get it passed? I'd like to see county, I'd rather see a convention with a list of everything that everybody's supposed to be doing in their counties and mark them out of 10 for their performance during the year. And instead of bringing people up to start sticking votes up for to suit everybody else, to challenge the counties as to whether they're doing their job or not. What are they doing? How, how did they get out of 10 for the for growth and development of the game? And what did they get in each county for it? Now, why did they not get it so far? And we dish out grants for hurling and football equally. But, I mean, we're a dual county in Wexford, and I wouldn't have it any other way, by the way. Uh, I would not have it any other way in my own club, even though people in my own club had said I'm uh, I, I'm anti-football. I'm certainly not anti-football. I played more football than hurling, in fact. Uh, so from from my point of view, I just think we just need to look at relook at a, a lot of things in a different way. But it's it's taken it's taken too long, and the bottom line is our games are suffering as a result. And just before I leave this. Liam, you sound very frustrated and uh, completely understandably so. Will you stay going forward with this? You're obviously incredibly passionate about it, but has the kind of lack of you know, openness to your ideas, has that stalled you or in any way halted you, or, or how do you see it going? No, I think... <laughs> no, not really. Um, I know the GA inside out. I know all of the... <laughs> I think I've been involved in most parts of it over my lifetime. But from my point of view, I, I just think that there was one good thing that comes out of it. It could be raised at the Games uh, games Committee in, in Crow Park, but it got a third so it couldn't go back again next year. But, I mean, I think if it goes back again next year, I would like to think that it wouldn't happen what happened this year. The 10 motions before our motion were put to one side because they were all about fixtures or all about age, age groups and ours was the first one taken and when they put it up that was the very first one on the agenda and then it was in and gone before people really realised I think but I think it should, and the debate should have been encouraging I think uh, does it even warrant a debate? Uh, does someone think it doesn't warrant a debate? and why would a top table bring down a, 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 the gavel on something and, and not think that hey this is worth a debate what are they afraid of? Why would it be afraid of debating that? Uh, why would it be afraid of debating it? Because we could prove that we have made all sorts of arrangements for people, like if they wanted to play football, football only in their club, that young boys that could go to another place where there would be a hurling club and not lose their, 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 their status like what happened in there. Uh, that they, they could actually go. So in other words, that we would facilitate the game, not the people behind the game. 
We're not here to facilitate the fellas behind games, our selectors, our mentors, our managers. Who's there? We're not there to facilitate them. We facilitate them as best they can, but we're not to be held ransom by anybody like that. So from that point of view, the game shouldn't be ransom to people like that. So why shouldn't it be taken on board? It was no lose situation. Your player that went away could go to another club or could go, five clubs could go to a place where there was going to be coaching for kids. And then at the same stage, go back to their own club and play their football. Who's stopping them? It didn't, we didn't say that it should take the time. And by the way, the suggestion that hurling would be bad for football is completely and totally erroneous. Hurling has got speed and it's got a lot of skill, but has got fantastic eye coordination in it, which would be good for football. So I think that for endurance, football is very good for hurling, but on all the other areas, it's not. So, but hurling is good for football, and I don't see why you can't have two together. Now, you may say that the standard of one will go down. Not necessarily true if it was managed properly. And now with the split season, it's certainly not, it's not true. And I'm glad with the split season. It's the right thing to have done. Now, all of a sudden, when we were told uh, in the Club Players Association that we were stone mad looking for a split season. Now, all of a sudden, it's the flavour of the month. You know, so, like, just what are we afraid of, like? I just want to chat about Wexford briefly, Liam, if that's okay. A disappointing result. Bad week for, a bad week for asking me that. Yeah, because yeah, I was obviously not great against Clare at home in the league last weekend. What did you make of that game, I suppose, first of all? And any concerns going into the new season, even this early? Um, well, I missed a game on Sunday. I was at my grandchild's first birthday, and <laughs> I was glad in the end that that's where I was. <laughs> Lucky but for anyway, you. So, from from my point of view, naturally, I would be desperately disappointed uh, that we should be getting a training like that. And um, in truth, like I only saw it on the on the on the television at night time. But like this, when you're looking at it, it looked terrible the way the way, the way, the way we performed. Now, I know we're missing a lot of players, but I would worry we're going to Cork and we're going to, to Limerick. To, no, Cork. Where are we going next? We've, we've, we've Antrim and we've Cork away. So, like, we are really up against it in some of these games that are coming up, you know. And we need to get uh, into a competitive mode. And I think we've had a lot of injuries and, you know, we've had fellas that are injured coming back in and playing and then going back out again. And I don't know, I don't know what's happening with the, the injured players. But we certainly need them back. But you'd like to think we'd more strength and depth. And I think we do have more strength and depth that should have been able to put up a better performance. But let's be honest, like it might be just an off day and things went wrong and that's it. And the things suddenly the tide come in. And sometimes in a match, when the tide comes in, you just can't get it out. So I would hope to make a, a bit of resurgence. Because don't forget, last year, we beat Kilkenny in Nolan Park, which was the first time in, uh, ever, I think, in the championship we met him in Nolan Park. So, and that was after having a terrible, a couple of terrible results against Waterford hammered us. So that hammering actually helped to bring us back again. So hopefully they'll make a, they'll make a, to, you know, a, a, a comeback, and, and a meaningful comeback. But above all, I'm hoping that our underage teams can perform and perform well because. Again, we need we need we need a lot more work on that side, and we need a lot of young players coming on. Now we had a good period where there was a lot of young people coming, and right now it seems to have fallen back a little bit. So you'd you'd, you'd like to see it come on, and you know, we'd like to like I think Leinster without Wexford, like you know, is is, is not a great place to be. It's just well, Galway will replace them, but we we need Wexford in Leinster. We need everybody in Leinster to be able to, to play hurling and keep at it. We'd awfully come and good again as well. 
unleash. You know, we, that's what we need. So hopefully we can bridge the gap. Yeah, and I spoke to Dara Egan after Kilkenny played Wexford in the Walsh Cup. Now, that was obviously very early in the season, but yeah. he said that basically the target is to win the Leinster Championship this year. That's his second year in charge. Last year, they got out of Leinster by finishing third, as you rightfully said, defeating Kilkenny and UPMC in Olin Park. Is that a reasonable expectation to win the Championship? And is that what Wexford people feel, the Leinster Championship, I should say, and is that what Wexford people are kind of wanting this year? Well, I think you'd want to give Paddy a power ring and see if I find out what he says about that. But uh, you wouldn't say that you get, uh, you know, you wouldn't say the odds. You'd get probably very good odds on that. So hopefully we can do it. But, like, we really need to stay competitive. We really, like, I know this sounds ridiculous, but uh, to me it's ridiculous anyway. We have won one All-Ireland in 54 years. One All-Ireland for, the, for, for where I grew up from the time I was eight till I was five, till I was 18, we contested almost half of all the All-Irelands contested. And here we are, one All-Ireland in 54 years. You know what? It's just, it's just beyond belief for, for, for me to see that because I can't accept that we, that, you know, we, can't, we can't win. We, we have a fantastic tradition that was hard fought for in the 50s. And, uh, you know, we were the first team to emerge out of the bunch from, from, from oblivion right up to winning All-Irelands. And, and these the teams that we produced, like, for example, we let in six goals in the Ireland final of 51. We were beaten by Cork in 54. And then we won in 55 and 56 with Nicky Racker now in his mid-30s. So, like, we, we hadn't... It wasn't all guns and roses for us. It was actually very hard won what we got to. And then we managed to hold it, and we won again in 60 and beat Tipperary by 10 points. We're back in 62, back in 65, back in 68, then won again. And then we had a, a look for 28 years. We won, we won in 96. And so we've won all Ireland in 54 years after what we had in the 50s and the 60s. And I know people outside, I know we have a great relationship with Kilkenny. We don't have a bitter rivalry with Kilkenny. It's, it's a healthy rivalry and great respect from both sides. Yeah. But Kilkenny people would want us there too. I know they would. I know they would. Yeah, I, I think I think most people would agree with that in Kilkenny that there is a yeah. great sort of um, rapport between both counties and between between Except both junior people. Maybe in Newcastle, <laughs> yeah, the one exception. But you yeah. you you mentioned it there, the underage system in Wexford. What sort of state do you feel as though Wexford hurling is in at the moment? Not just at senior level, which obviously all the focus goes to naturally, but as you said, more importantly, maybe is the underage structure. Where do you see that is at at the moment? I see the colleges. I look at the colleges and I see the colleges not doing well. I see the colleges, the three Offaly teams now come back and beat Wexford teams this year. Uh, we, we, uh, we have, we've had very little success at college level and some of the feeder schools uh, have really very good hurling teams going into St. Peter's College. Good counsel have won a few things. But like I was looking at the Wexford match between the night of the Welsh Cup and he had good counsel playing Wexford CBS. Five of the six barbers were from Tricenny. One of the midfielders, the centre-back, the full-back and the goalkeeper, all from Tricenny. Now, more look to them, because I think it's great that they're going to school there, because that helps to raise the standard. But, like, you'd worry about our schools that we're not doing as well. Now, why are we not doing well? Well, the reason I think is because we're very spread out as a county. You know, you go from feathers and you go across all the way to, the, to Castletown in the north. And, you know, we've got a very, very big sprung out county with a lot of small rural secondary schools. Whereas in Kilkenny, you have good population around the city. You've got great hurling clubs within the city. We only have one senior hurling team in Wexford Town. 
you know, you three or four and even five around the city of Kilkenny. And we, we just, we, uh, Wexford Town was always a strong football county over all of the years. So was Enniscorthy, actually. We've won senior team in Enniscorthy. And we now have a team in Gorey that's senior. And we'd like to think that Gorey will come on. So we, we, we actually need to keep developing the game ourselves. But we need, we need to get our scholars up to, we need four teams. And in, in, uh, I keep saying it, we need four teams in A, Hurling and Leinster. And that's a fact. We need to get to that. Uh, and if we can do that, and get up to that that level. But we were a long time trying to get there, and uh, like we need to keep at it. We just need to work harder uh, with with our underage, and we need to look for. And I also very disappointed with the Fitzgibbon this year. I'm always looking out for Wexford players. Uh, this year we're very poor. Where we had six or seven on the team that won a couple of years ago at TCU, we were down to very little. I only see I think one player on the Waterford team from Wexford. Uh, whereas when the Waterford IT won it a few years back, we had four or five or six from Wexford Isle. So, like, you judge us by what's in the Fitzgibbon. And if you'd see what's in the Fitzgibbon, and we're not in there with at least 20, 30, 40 players, and some of them in the winning teams, you're not going to see us making a breakthrough to the same extent as we should. So, we are, we still have lots of work to do on our game, and hopefully we can get it done. But um, that's a different thing to start in the golf. I mean, somebody might say, you should start in your own county. Well, uh, I've been starting my own county for a while, but that's it. My race has run, unfortunately. But anyway, that's, that's the way it is. Um, I'd be really interested just to get your opinion on Kilkenny to Liam if you don't mind Derek Ling has stepped in in charge of Kilkenny now after Brian Cody stepped away it's yeah. 27 years since Wexford won an All-Ireland you were at the helm that time yeah. it's now 8 years since Kilkenny won an All-Ireland how do you see our chances for 2023? I'd never despair for Kilkenny every time some of Wexford tells me or tells on the radio some people asking me oh, about Kilkenny they're not great this time since the time Moses was a small child Kilkenny had been great hurlers and they still are and, they're, and I admire Kilkenny fantastic so I have great admiration for Kilkenny Hurling I love Kilkenny Hurling I love the way they play I love the way they're I like, I, as far as I'm concerned they're manly they're tough and hardy and they're great players and they produce some of the best players we've ever seen so like from my perspective I think Kilkenny will never ever be in the Dodgers I think eight years in the Dodgers try 54 but anyway, so <laughs> I, I'm saying to you that I think that Kilkenny will always be there because you've got Kieran's there, you've got CBS there, and you've got the outlying schools as well who are very good. So I think Kilkenny will be there. Now, Derek Ling needs time. I mean, as so long as we don't start going soccer-esque on this thing now and start sacking fellas because they're not winning Ireland in the first year. Like, Brian Cody is a... Like, but Brian Cody's an institution, and what a, what a fantastic contribution he made to Kilkenny. And, and in, fairness to, in fairness to Brian, I know he came under pressure in Kilkenny too when they weren't winning every second year or they weren't winning by 10 and 15 points. Did, yeah. And you know yourself. So Brian has been brilliant and uh, I think that uh, Derek Ling was a brilliant player. I will say he was a great guy and uh, also we've got lots of other lads there that were, that were great players that will always be there to backbone Kilkenny and to help about. So I, I wouldn't fear for Kilkenny but it might take another couple of years to, 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 get, to, get, to get a team that's going to win All-Ireland. But uh, guarantee you in the next seven or eight years you'll see Kilkenny back again with a team but the standard is never going to dip too low it's going to be high but now having said all this now Limerick have got everything going for them right now and that's the bottom line but there's no point that people like Kilkenny or Wexford whinging about it they've got three universities in the city of Limerick they've got the National Centre for, for Sport in the UL and they've got all of that feeder system 
And they've got JP who's McManus's backing, which is fantastic, and uh, that's that's up to them. Uh, we all have to deal with all of that. So they have the infrastructure there, and they have brought up the system in Limerick called Raising the Treaty. They developed it from underage up, and they're now very strong. Now, I think we mightn't be all playing them the right way. I don't know. I have a completely different attitude to how we should be playing Limerick than maybe everybody else has, but then I'm an outlet. So... Um, so when you're an outlet, you know nothing more anymore. So <laughs> from my perspective, I wouldn't be playing them the way they're playing them. So I think that, uh, you know, that they're a great big team. The other thing that I have, uh, have uh, an abhorrence for is this rooks in hurling has changed the nature of the players that are playing because they're now taking stats on their looks. And that, is, that drives me to despair for the game of hurling because the looks are illegal. They're all illegal. Every single one of those rules the looks are illegal. And referees are under pressure to throw the ball in. So what do you get after one look? You get another one because they throw it in back in again. And it's, it's like they never see a fellow pulling on the ground ball. I'm expecting a guard to walk in the rest of the fellas are pulling on the ground ball some of these days. <laughs> so it's just that it's just gotten that cracked. And I don't see why. I'm playing corner forward on rough fellas. And they were from McKinney, some of them, I can tell you that. <laughs> and uh, I like the ball coming in fast and let the goddamn thing in here. If I'm no good, let me have the ball anyway and prove I'm no good. But you could be there now for a, a week sitting on your hold away for the ball to come in. So I'm just saying that the rooks are, are purposely, people make a rook on purpose and get in over a ball. And I saw poor old Tureen from Mayo when they were playing Monoline from, from, uh, from Limerick in the all Ireland Intermediate Final. And it was four minutes of extra time, of which two minutes of it, I think, were taken up with, with, two, with rooks, right? Which the Limerick lads were jumping in. No, no hard feelings. The Limerick lads got some great scores, but Tureen were really impressive to me. And uh, the rooks actually slowed the whole game down. And extra time was almost half of it was a rook. And I just think that's got yeah. no place in the game. And the same as throwing the ball is another one that's out there. So I don't, I don't know. So I sound like a real grouch today, don't I? <laughs> no, no, no. I, th- I think most people, in fairness now, w- would agree with a lot of what you are saying. And it is something that has kind of creeped into hurling, particularly with the rooks and the throwing the ball. Um, just to briefly go back to Limer, because you mentioned something there and I wanted to pick up on it very lastly, because I've held you for quite some time now. Yeah. Um Limerick teams aren't playing them the right way in your opinion no, what, what I, way should I, they play no, them no I, well, I, what I, for that, my point is I'm watching Gerard Haggerty and I stopped it twice in the other final because I taped the other final I go back over and look at him and see what I think and I think it was the year before last but in that match Gerard Haggerty got I think three points or four and there was nobody in the frame of the picture on the television with him nobody Absolutely nobody. Okay. Now, if I went down out the stand in my clothes and I'm an old lad now, I'm nearly 30. If I went down there and got that ball, I think I'd have a fair chance of putting it over the bar myself. <laughs> so, from my perspective, if you could allow a half forward on his own four or five times in a game, how did that happen? I don't know. How did it happen? So, also, forwards, the, 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 I believe, and I've had this with my own time with teams, young lads as well. Number 15 is your first line of defence. Number 13 is your second line of defence. Number 14 is probably the next one. Because if they're not defending, what are they doing there? They have to defend as well as attack. Now, if you can get your forwards all freed up and give them free ball, well, that's fine. But then they get scores. You expect to get 30 points in a match. And and Limerick's game plan is 30 points in a match. We don't give a damn about goals. Most people won't get near 30 points. So we just keep banging them over the bar. And they don't even go for goals. Now, I think the team that's going to beat them is going to bury four balls in the back of the net. 
because they're going to have to get down there and get goals and they have to get the imagination how do we create goals here and let's get in there now I talked to Kenny last year the great chance that team was rattled when they got two goals went in they could have been rattled much more maybe if it could have got another goal so I'm just saying I think you need to just take goals you need to get, a team that's going to beat them is going to get goals yeah, and that's uh, it and they're not going to be letting people have free ball all around the place to pick out fellas and zinging them with balls and, like for example I did a bit of a survey myself last year for five matches this, uh, and some were two were inter-county and a couple were club well I can tell you this is the statistic that I found right the first the first hand pass was about 70, about 80% successful the second was somewhere down on 60 but the third hand pass was below 50% now now you want to win a match, you send everyone up in the front full forward and try and get a goal to win the match at the end of the day. As Ned Wheeler said to me, why in the name of Jesus, Mary and Joseph wouldn't have set up an odd ball into the fell inside and give him a chance? And the Hopper McGrath, who was a great Wexford player, and myself would be good friends, and the Hopper's eye to me was, ah, Jesus, let me have the ball anyway. Don't have me looking at you it's like a spectator. And if you get the ball into me, quick, it's up to me to win it. And I think that mm. sticks today. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Why, I, not? I, why not beat your man for a ball? And that's that, all about and if he beats you let him have it that's fair enough do your little best to stop him playing it yeah that, that was going to be my next question actually I did say lastly for the last one but the state of hurling at the moment what do you make of it a lot, a lot of complaints a lot of people speaking about the way it's being played how do you see it look at it I'd love to be playing the modern game to some extent because I, I was fast and I was skinny and I was uh, cannon fodder for hardy boys better rip the crap out of me but I remember, like if I got a ball they wouldn't catch me <laughs> uh, so that was my 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 saving grace to play in. But like I think you know, if you if you if you have to uh, play the game like non-stop hand passing, sixty points in a match or forty points in a match, it's absolutely bored the backside off you, right? So it's hitting balls over the bar and non-stop. Okay, it's a great point, but is it a great point? You know what I mean? So. From our perspective, I think we've lost a bit of the manliness out of the game. Now, we haven't lost some of the dirt when you look at some of what some of these lads are still up to like, and getting away with it. So I just think that we need to try look at the game and we let the game evolve itself. That's typical. We let the game evolve itself. There's nobody in, and nobody seems to be... Every time I go to a match, I'm uh, cursing and swearing at, at these rooks. And I don't think too many people say at the top don't seem to be bothered. Little rook away, lads. And now what's it done? It's changed the shape of the players. You look at this, change the shape of the players. You've got great big lads now because they can win rooks. They're getting stats on rooks. And they've got stats coming out to the backside at this stage. But what's that doing for the game itself, like? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's, I think the stats, certainly it's stats myself. But the point is that six key, key indicators, and that was it for me as far as I'm concerned. Anything further than that, I didn't want to know about it because, like, you know, you're just going into the ridiculous now. But I'm just saying, I don't think that the game looks as well. And also, now, when you go back to club level, and if you go back down to club intermediate level and go back to junior level, oh, look, at it's hard to look at, uh, you know. And, um, you know, Gaelic football has changed completely, and that's hard to look at a bad game of Gaelic football now is it's vile. And uh, the bad game of hurling is just as vile. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll see more good games than bad this year. Uh, Liam. Yeah, but there have been some great games too now. In fairness, they're, they're, they're have, yeah. not all bad. But at the end of the day, like certain things in the game should not be allowed. It shouldn't be part of the game.
If it's not, if a rook is not part of the game, why are we allowing it to go on for so long? Simple answer: two guys up here, and the first fella steps in from 20 yards is free against you, 20 yards up the field, okay? And hammer over a few pints, and that wouldn't be wrong about getting a little bit. But the referee has to the guts to stand there and say, "I'm not throwing that ball in until they go back." There's two of you here, and that's it. Yeah, it's, it's easy. It's about it's about policing the game properly, like. Yeah, I think um, most most hurling people that watch the game week in week out and go to games would completely agree with you. Lima could chat to you about it all no, day. I'm tell you now, all the young lads listening to this saying there's the, another Neanderthal, but however, no, no, I'm, well, I'm, I'm telling you this much. I'm not. No. It depends on them. Certainly not. Well, I think anybody that listened to this interview would uh, completely agree with that. Far from Neanderthal. Uh, Liam Griffin, thanks ever so much for speaking to me. Great to hear your opinion on a whole range of topics. And hopefully, if we're chatting to you this time next year, there'll be a lot more change at the top of the GA. We live in hope. Thanks very much. And best of luck to Kilkenny. I mean that sincerely. There's no use winning all Ireland unless you beat Kilkenny. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Griffin, okay. thanks ever so much. Thanks, okay, Liam. Bye now. Bye. 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 Brian, well done. You're back where you want to be. I know a heartbreak last year, Leinster final, losing this year, but now back in an All-Ireland final on St. Patrick's Day. Overall performance today, people felt it was good. How does the manager feel about it? You won it anyway. Ah, look, it was good and, and, and bad, I suppose. Look, anytime you win an All-Ireland semi-final, it's just brilliant because you're there in the final. You won by seven points. I think we have a huge amount to improve on. Um, I think Cashel were on top there for different parts of the game. Look, which will happen against good teams. You're not going to have 60 minutes playing sailing. So. But look, Cashel had a great start. It was a while to get going, probably in both halves, which is disappointing, but it's something we have to get right for the final now you moved the ball well back, half back line got into it you said players in different positions numbers don't really mean anything anymore which you set up your team to do a job and when you did settle after a difficult enough opening 10 minutes you took control and never really looked back yeah look geez, I think I, I prefer to be involved in the team back 20 years ago when you just played 6 on 6 I think because there's <laughs> so much switching around now you're making changes every 2 minutes sometimes you think you're making too many changes you're trying to you know, stop the threats to the cash lads and we're trying to get our lads going as well so look it's very hard to keep an eye on what's going on um, You know, they play a third midfielder so we do that looking at their games and stuff like that so we tried to counteract that and look I think once we got the grips of them we did it very well but um, look Cashel came back very well strong in the second half but I think our lads had a great response and we pushed on there till the end then Yeah you grew in confidence really didn't you Brian? Yeah we did and you know I suppose you know, we do have a lot of top class hurlers there and a lot of experience so lads who played in minor, minor All-Ireland finals under 20 finals and that counts for a lot when the pressure comes on you know we, we said it to them like there wasn't going to be playing sailing out there there was always going to be tough moments and just stay going and stay going and look we were delighted to get three goals there in the first half that were, they were crucial yeah they were opportunistic as well they were worked or probably when Harry took his well Donna took his well you know other lads yeah. give up on a situation like that but they really followed up and took them took their opportunities very well yeah they were brilliant goals you know again I, I love them goals from so I was playing back in the day as a forward but you know waiting for that opportunity you know we all love the one where the lad gets around the man and buries it but you can't beat them ones they're a little flick to the net you know and Harry and Donna are in the right place at the right time and you know we really did need them goals at the time you toughened up as well in the second half your half back and they really came into it Ted moved out in 8 and he's back did a lot of donkey work around the field but as a panel it was a, a really workmanlike performance overall yeah look and that's what semi-finals are you know it's a cliche but everyone says semi-finals are for winning you know whatever happens on 17th of March there's no one really going to talk about today and uh, you know we said to the lads in the dressing room there we, we don't have any trophy um, Cashel still have a hearty cup to celebrate you know this year we don't have anything so we have to make sure we do everything we can now to make, bring home a trophy to Kieran's College okay well Brian I want to lay you I know you want to try your eye in the second match and you're certainly even eye on the match in Dublin as well but uh, you're a man that couldn't be in two places at the one time you told Kessler but the most moral of the story is you're in Croke Park on St Patrick's Day and well done to St 
St. Cairns and yourself in the backroom team. Okay, yeah, look, I said I'd love to be in Parnell Park. I was did everything I could to get the match in. I'd love to be in the car and be up there now. But look, I have a good management team. Uh, just keep an eye on the score. We started off okay there. So look, once once the girls win, uh, I'll be very happy tonight. And uh, look, uh, hopefully the 17th of March will go well now. Martin Quill will keep you informed there okay. if you tune in. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the evening. See you in Paddy's there. Okay, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Good man. Well done. Thank you. All right. Well done. Good man. Thanks a million. For- Philly Larkin, you're off the board. Uh, first win in the National League. It was probably by no means pretty, but look, he won't care. A win is a win, uh, and it was good to get uh, the first three points on the, the table. Yeah, badly needed, Martin. Yeah, it wasn't uh, was pretty, but they grinded out the result. That's all the, the main thing to do coming here today. It wasn't about being fancy, being it was just about winning, and they've done that today in France. He had a very good first half, nine points to four going in at half time. He scored eight points in the second half then as well. Were you disappointed enough going in at half time? He had uh, a lot of possession in the forwards, but yeah. he just weren't converting them. Yeah, we could have been, I'd say, one. 13, 14 the first half around that I'd say we missed a few chances one or two frees one or two from play and, and these things happen right it is early now. the ground is fairly bad out there some of the chances the girls going for the ball and they're bobbling over the hurl normally hoping the summer you'd be thinking their first touch would be a lot better but look we could have been a lot further ahead but look I was happy enough in the second half to ground it out the result bit of a breeze there and like we scored 9 the first half 8 in the second half and, and they, they dug it out like you know you were under pressure for a long period of time in the second half as you were in the Leinster final with Dublin as well it was kind of like the very same game they came back at you towards the end but you ground out the victory uh, towards the end of it as well got a couple of nice frees you must be happy enough with the character of the team as well to finish out a match like that because the way things were going it could have went a different story Ah yeah look I wouldn't be worried about the team's character in fairness they've proven that over the last few years but like we were very happy Dublin are a good team and they did come back at us and we knew they would come back at us and they did create an overlap a good few times there. But look, Emma didn't really get a good save to make in the second half or a full back line and a half back line. They were able to hold him out and they were able to take the shots from further out the field. And then once they're not getting in around your full back line, creating one on one chances, you'd be happy enough. Look, as you said before, no one is going to be panicking or anything at this stage. A win is a win and it'll probably keep you safe now for the, the Division 1A for next year as well, which is what you want to do anyway. Um, but your progress every week, you can see it from the first day against Clare, the last day against Galway. The work rate today was phenomenal from a lot of your players players. It doesn't get any easier though. Cork is next up for you. Yeah, it's a pity when you think the first game, like we probably should have beaten Clare and then we'd have two good wins anyway, definitely. Galway fairness was a tough game. But look, it's a big game coming up against Cork. We know that. It's going to be a massive step up from today again. But look, the girls are improving every week. We're hoping they're working, they're training hard. And look, we know we will be under pressure against Cork. But look, we're looking forward to playing them too. We're at home and we want to try and beat them. A couple more injury worries today as well. They finished out the game as well. A lot of hard knocks. The break is going to do you the world of good coming up against that Cork game. It'll give you a week to recuperate after the match today. Yeah, there's no harm. A few girls got knocks and bruises there, but then there's a couple of bonuses. Girls coming back. Like you see Kellyanne coming on there today. It was great to see her back. Like, you know, she got one point from play, two frees she won. That's great to see. Like, and that's one of the added bonuses for today. Well, the boss man is away in Bor today as well. You got the job of being at the helm uh, here chatting to me afterwards, but I suppose he'll come back happy now with Kieran's after winning and Kenny winning today <laughs> I didn't know Kieran's won that's a good yeah, thing yeah they did they won't be six uh, well that's good yeah he should be happy enough now we might take him back we'll see <laughs> good man thanks Billy ok man Steffi Fitz someone said it to me going in that that was a bit messy but you won't mind too much you're off the mark first win in the National League give us your overall summary of the game 
Uh, it was, we kind of made it hard on ourselves there, but uh, we battled it out and look, we came here to get a win today after the disappointment of losing two weeks in a row. It's not easy coming to try to win a match after getting bet in your first two league matches, but we pulled it together and look, I know it wasn't pretty out there, but we still got the win and that's what we came to do, so we'll be happy with that. What were conditions like? Because from where we were high above in the press box up there, it looked like there was a bit of a breeze and the pitch didn't seem to be too healthy out there either, a lot of fumbling going on with the ball, so how difficult were conditions? I don't think the breeze really affected the game much. Like the pitch, it's not the best, but look, no pitch at this stage it's only still March like no pitch is going to be uh, where we want it to be and we can't really make excuses that the pitch um, wasn't good enough like obviously our touches need to be worked on and it's evidence across the whole pitch that we need to work on our touch but as I said it's still early March so we've plenty to work on and that's what we'll be focused on I say training during the week and we have to realise that because it is early days it only is round three you haven't as much work done maybe as some of the other teams and that's not an excuse either but certainly you can see the improvements week on week out so a lot of work must be done in training during the week Ah, oh, yeah sure everyone as I said we were disappointed after the first two games against Clare and Galway and and you can see that training, everyone is driving on to try to bring that intensity and to get things going better than what they were going. And as you said, we are improving week on, week on. So hopefully it will stay going that way and we'll go back to the table now and keep working hard. Look, you're shivering there at the minute. Go in and get a, a nice hot shower for yourself and warm up. And thanks for having a chat with us. Thanks, Martin. Ashley Mara, full forward for Dublin disappointing result in the end for you you really put it up to Kilkenny there especially towards the latter half of the, the second half there give us your overall sum up of the game yeah look ultimately yeah, disappointing to come out away without the win but uh, I think from our perspective we're building on performances every week um, first round against Cork we were uh, disappointed with a lot of things you know started to correct some of them last week against Tip correcting a few more of them today against Kilkenny so we're starting to close gaps and from our own perspective starting to build on that performance but ultimately disappointing not to get the win. People in Kilkenny certainly know how you play. You terrorise Thomastown even in the club championships as well. A good individual performance for yourself. I know you don't always take the accolades. It's about the team performance. But still, any day you score nine points, it's a good day. Ah, yeah. Look, any day you lose, it's a bad day as well. So <laughs> I won't get too caught up on them. It um, doesn't really matter who's putting the ball over at the end of the day. You know, it's about the team performance and getting that little bit closer, getting building. Um, thankfully, you're not mentioning how many I missed there as well as how many I scored. So, you know, plenty of improvement to do. We don't ever count them. <laughs> Well, I won't start then if you're not. <laughs> Look, you've a couple of more matches to go in the National League as well. Um, nobody likes to be talking about relegation or anything that way. We know you've been there before and you were playing Waterford in a relegation final. Not a nice place to be, but still uh, a chance and a couple of more matches to I suppose stay as a Division 1A team for next year Yeah look the way the divisions have been split this year obviously makes Division 1A very competitive I think regardless of who ends up going down it's going to be a strong side that that has to be relegated so um, ultimately Division 1A is where we want to be playing the likes of you know yourselves Kilkenny, Cork, Galway um, they're the games you want prior to Championship they're the matches you want to be playing so our focus will absolutely be on doing everything we can to keep ourselves up and to make sure that we continue to get this preparation going into next year Well look, I know it's not easy to talk especially when you lose a game but thanks for having a chat with us thank you <laughs> No problem at all. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 
How are you now? Shane O'Keefe here with you until 6 o'clock, joined in studio by Robbie Dowling. Now, we love a bit of boxing here at Scoreline, and we love seeing successful stories happen, particularly at a local level. We're somewhat blessed with the options that we have in Kilkenny and Carlow. Of course, Rage and Bull Boxing Club up and running in Carlow. We got to talk to them a few weeks ago. We always love talking to Ollie and hearing everything happening out in Paulstown, indeed, Callum Boxing Club. But you'll recognise this voice as when we talk about successful clubs in the local area, you cannot talk about it without mentioning Marble City Boxers. They're coming off an absolutely tremendous run of matches and championships being awarded. And I'm joined on the line right now by Gary Kyo from Marble City Boxing. Gary, how are you doing, sir? Shane, how are things? Unbelievable. And it was great when you sent me on the news. You're, you're one person that's very proactive in getting the, the club information out there, indeed on social media and keeping us updated here in Scoreline. So it was brilliant to see that you had eight new Leinster champions for the club. Yeah, look, it's 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 been a, a busy few weeks now, Shane, for the club. Um, we've travelled between the Leinster U Championships, which took place in Port Leash, and we were just, last week, we finished up in Enniscorthy for the Leinster Juvenile Championships. So... Uh, we've been busy on the road but uh, look it's, it's resulted in success um, and it's, it's great to see eight new faces going up onto the wall of champions down in the club um, So and they all progress on now to represent the club in the All-Ireland Championships and you mentioned the wall of champions like obviously it, it, it is what it says on the tin but having something like that and having something for young people to, to aspire to and going I want to have my photo up there that, that, that's a really big motivator yeah it, look it's, I, I suppose it was my grandfather and my father came up with uh, the idea of putting all the champions that won Leinster titles on the wall back in 1992, Shane. And I don't think they ever for a second imagined that it would get as big as it is today. Every young kid that we have that comes into that club, they're seeing champions that won titles back in 92 right up to the present day. And it's it's a huge deal. It's nearly bigger than the Leinster title in itself to get your face up there on the wall, <laughs> you know, that you're recognised there forever. So... Um, I don't think anyone ever imagined it would be as big as it is today but there's over 150 champions on the wall um, since our establishment so it's growing we nearly need another wall now um, <laughs> this coming. Get, a bit, get a bigger premises just for all the wall of champions um, you have the All-Ireland Championship then that you said that you're coming up in, in Port Leash so who do you have going to that? So we have uh, we have Keane Stapleton is going. So Keane Stapleton, he is the he's the reigning national champion. He was actually in the European Championships for Ireland last August. So he's back to defend his title, um, which is which is fantastic. Uh, we have Josh Dowling, another man that was beaten in two Irish finals last year, just missed out on European qualification. Uh, we have Scott Delaney. He's a former national champion, back to try and win his uh, national crown back again. Um, we have Jack Johnson. Uh, another look. He's he's been there and done it. He's won multiple uh, multiple international box cup gold medals. Um, was just missed out in national title last year, beaten in the final on a very very close decision. Could have gone either way on the day. Uh, Philip Carty, the reigning national champion, is back to defend his crown. Um, so look, you know it, they're all they're all competing at the highest level. Um, so it's it's phenomenal to to have all those lads back there again. Um, we 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 have five there in the national youths um, and. We should probably have had seven. You know, we we missed out on two very very razor tight uh, split decision losses, um, and I've no doubt that those lads will bounce back. They'll have taken a huge amount from the championships. So look, we 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 just move forward. We look forward to what's coming. So the national championships, where these lads will get the chance now. Uh, the championships is just uh, since I was last talking to you, it's been moved. So it's back to the national stadium in Dublin. So we'll be going back to the home of boxing. 
No, absolutely brilliant. I love the the atmosphere that does be up in the National Stadium. Um, Gary, when people see someone is coming from Marble City Boxers, whether that be a new boxer or just someone that's kind of early on their journey, they're obviously going to be a bit trepidatious when they're going up against one of your boxers in, in because of the success that you have. From your perspective, do you have that with other clubs that you're going, oh, I know this person's going to be a, a, a top boxer because he's coming from a particular place in Dublin or a particular place in Kildare? Is there like a rivalry of sorts when you when you see someone coming out of a particular club? Yeah, look, there de- there definitely is. I think with any successful club, um, you know, you're you're always you always have some sort of rivalry with other clubs. Um, you know, we'd be a very, very active club in the Marble City. We we travel all over the country. As you know yourself, we we've gone to an awful lot of international tournaments as well. So we're quite well known out there. Um and a lot of clubs would be cautious when they when they draw the Marble City lads because they know the boxers in the club look they they've they've shown time and time again their dedication to the sport is it's just unrivaled, Shane. For for young kids to be in there six and seven days a week, giving their all um, to represent the club. Uh, learning their craft, and you know, it's it's not everything is placed on competition. It's about learning learning the skills of the game, um, and and perfecting the art. And that's that's what the kids come down there. They love doing it. Love just learning the technique, and then obviously, look, success follows with that. Um, but we have look, we have we have loads of rivalries. Uh, there's no doubt about it. We go to the national stadium in Dublin. Uh, we we know when we're in for a tough fight. But the one thing about our boxers is that there's there's never a doubt when when one of our lads gets into the ring. He's going to be well prepared, um, and we're not fearful of anything that's put in front of him. He's uh, he's well prepared for it, so we just we we relish the challenge. And the challenge, as you mentioned, of the All Ireland Championship starting next week in Port Leash. But look, we're only in March. It, it, we, how far are we going here? How what do you have coming up on the horizon? So we have we have the national youth are starting next week, and then we have the na- which is immediately followed by the national juveniles. So we just finished up in Enniscorthy, um, and we had three boxers qualify uh, for the national juvenile championships. So we entered six boxers in total into the juvenile Leinster juvenile championships. Uh, a relatively new squad chain; none of them had ever boxed or competed in the championship before. So you know, we 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 didn't have expectations too high. We said, look, if they go down there and they perform, they gain experience. You know, we're quite happy with that. Um, I suppose trying to con- convey that information to the boxers, you know, they just weren't having it. They were going down there to win, um, and we had three three fantastic uh, winners come from those championships who will go forward to the nationals now. In Brianna Kelly, uh, Sarah Johnson, and Adam Delaney, you know, three exceptional performances. And again, we had Ricky Carty was beaten in, in the Leinster final on a split decision, and we had Casper Gorski and Miroslav Holstoff were also beaten on very very close split decisions. Um, and both of their competitors that managed to beat them on the day, they went on to win out the way at the division. Sounds absolutely fascinating, Gary. Um, like I, I, I love the boxing world. Um, I, I, I love hearing all these successful stories at a local level and of course then from an international level there's so many amazing stories that get to emanate and one of them was going to be the potential Crow Park fight with Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. Crow Park is off the cards and now Amanda Serrano is off the cards and she's going now or Casey has called out for Chantel Cameron for the D- big Dublin showdown on the 20th of May in the Three Arena uh, obviously not what people want but that opens up the door then maybe for that fight in September to happen in Crow Park if Serrano's back from an injury Yeah absolutely look I, I think it'd be phenomenal to just get Katie back to compete in Ireland you know whether it was against Chantel Cameron, whether it was against anyone in that division, you know, once she once she gets back to Ireland, 
Um, I think she's opened up the door then to try and lead to bigger fights maybe here in Ireland and bigger stadium, uh, big, bigger stadium fights. So potentially that Crow Park option might open up later down the line. So it'd be great just to get her back and get a fight. Chantel Cameron would be a very tough opponent. She'd be moving up a weight division, the boxer. Um, but look, it'd be another spectacle and it'd definitely be a, a fight that would gauge an awful lot of interest as well. Another fight that has my interest is the possible Tyson Fury-Alexander Usyk undisputed bout. That would be something to to bear witness to, wouldn't it? Oh, look, that'd be a phenomenal fight. Um, to see Alexander Usyk, you know, he, he has all the skills in the world. Um, you know, an Olympic champion in the amateurs. Uh, he's as tough as nails. But Tyson Fury is just... I just I can't see anyone beating him to be honest, Shane. He's just a monster. He's a monster of a man. To to say he's almost seven foot tall and for someone of that height, uh, to be able to move as light as he does on his feet, he's just he's a freak of nature really. He's just unbelievable to watch. Oh, it's a, it's it's a, I like I I love his story as well, and that's what a lot of sports is about as well. The hearing these people's stories, and I just I just love the way he kind of came back from the depths. Uh, someone that uh, is obviously related to Tyson Fury is his brother Tommy. Did you get to watch his fight with the probably one of the toughest boxers of all time, no doubt one of the greatest, Jake Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did. I, I actually I had to tune into it. Um, there was so much talk. I said I'd have to to tune into that to watch it um, so look it was it was an interesting spectacle Shane I suppose that's that's what you could definitely say uh, I would give Tom or I would give Jake Paul credit I thought he was better he was better than I expected he would be um, and I also thought that uh, Tommy Fury he did quite well because look he had the pressure he had the weight of the world on his shoulders going into this you know he had seen all the things that the, his own backroom and his own family had said if he didn't uh, if he didn't win he was to stay in Saudi so Look, that, that brings its own pressures, but it was a very good fight to watch. It was a very good fight to watch. And I, look, I know an awful lot of people give out about YouTube boxers and that, but what it does is it gets more eyes and more viewers on the sport of boxing, which can only be good for us. Gary, I get what you're saying there in the sense that obviously there's more people watching the sport. Do you not feel as though also that it's a bit sad that it's come to this in the sense that there's not actual boxers within the sport that have developed from... Or underage level or whatever it may be to actually rise to the top of the sport that they actually have to be brought in from the outside just to draw eyes on boxing which is kind of you know a far cry from the days of the greats like you know you go back all the ways to Muhammad Ali but even someone like Katie Taylor now yeah look it's I suppose the, the problems nowadays Shane is it's a money game the professional is a money game and you have these fighters now and they have uh, they have certain purse bids that they want the promoters as well so it's not just one person you'd often see Katie Taylor call out anyone she's happy to fight anyone yeah. and she wants to fight but it comes down to at the end of the day you know who, what kind of money she's getting what money Eddie Hearn is getting and if it, if it doesn't all add up the fight doesn't take place um, whereas look the thing about Jake Paul and those he just seems to fight because he wants he wants, uh, he wants to get his name out there um, and he's you know he's this kind of underdog that no one wants to see win but he's managed to, to win a few fights Um I'd love to see more, you know, traditional boxers that are in the sport from a young age. Um, but it, there's so many other elements um, take over with promoters and all this. So it's quite difficult to get the best, the two best in the weight to box. Is it getting people in gyms? Uh, just before we let you go, Gary, uh, is it getting people in gyms? Because obviously the allure of YouTube and creating these almost, you know, megastars from a celebrity level, if they're going out and boxing, KSI, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, or whoever, is it getting the interest 
in that from the YouTube generation bringing people actually into the gym? You would find that it actually does, Shane. Yeah, it does. It has a knock-on effect. There's no doubt about it. And um, we look, we haven't had huge numbers come from the Jake Paul, KSI kind of boxing realm, but we have had a few members have joined, and you would hear them talking in the club about KSI and Jake Paul. Now we'd be trying to turn them away and tell them, you know, look at Tyson Fury, look at Alexander Usyk, look at the the real top class boxers. But look, anyone, if, if it brings more eyes and brings more viewers on the sport of boxing that can only be good for us it's publicity and I suppose look all publicity is good publicity in some way Exactly Gary we wish you nothing but best success at the All-Irelands next week no doubt we'll be keeping us posted and uh, yeah talk to you soon sir Shane thanks very much for having me Always a pleasure Gary Keogh from Marble City Boxing we're going to take a quick outbreak there and we'll have our Greyhound report from Joe Sheehan don't go anywhere The competition we have all been waiting for is finally on our doorsteps with the beginning of the Frightful Flash Kennels McCalmont Cup taking place at a packed Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night wonderful to see the cream of the crop the very best greyhounds in the country in action in our local venue even classic winners were involved in the lineup last night with one time only, who was a classic winner, winning the Laurels down in Corheen Park in Cork in 2021. He won his heat last night in 28.93. Phenomenal performance at a price of 4-7 to seven for trainer Thomas O'Donovan. Really impressive performance and one time only. Almost €60,000 prize money he has won for connections. And he seeks to take the €5,000 winner's prize home for his connections in this year's Brightford Flash Kennels McCallum Cup. Year in, year out, it continues to produce the best, and it's wonderful to see. Fantastic lineup in this year's competition. It's a staple of the Kilkenny Greyhound calendar, and is one we've all been waiting for for the last couple of months. And it is now at our doorstep. The first heat was won by Rowlers Road, time of 29.10, showing good early pace for the Liars Club Syndicate, fantastic name for a syndicate, and trainer Gary Walsh, winning at a price of 2-1. to one. Urban Captain was back in second, and Ballantine also back in third. In the second heat, Grangeview Port came home in front here in 28.77 by three quarters of length for owner-trainer Michael Hogan. Very nice performance. Early pace, told the tail here and stayed in front. Gert Kelly Nestor was back in second, who has been a wonderful servant. My God, this greyhound has put in some fantastic performances in his career. Almost five years of age, but no signs of stopping. 25,000 euro prize money won for the Murray family's owners. And wonderful to see him with a fantastic run last night. Freedom Odin was back in third. The third heat, as we said, was won by one time only. Back in second was Ruffian Angel. And third was Black Summer. All nice performances here for Sean Lahey and Thomas Norton. Of course, the Lahey family are having a tremendous time of late, having had a treble last Friday night with Tomas, Sean and John Lahey all getting on the score sheet. Wonderful to see. And their Black Summer is still a live contender in the Frightful Flash Kennels McCallum Cup as we look forward to the second round next Friday night. The fourth heat was won by Urban View in a time of 29.09, staying on strongly indeed for owner Robert Roberts. Very nice performance. Bullet from a gun was back in second and Yankee Doodle was back in third. The fifth heat was won by Delirium Trimmins at a time of 28.88, giving Mert Lahey a winner here for the Tiny Pharma Syndicate. Lynchy Boy was back in second and Croker Spirit was back in third the sixth heat was won by Deadly Crusader in a time of 28.88 for the Rams Bottom family making the journey from Timahoe and County Leash worth a while Priceless King was back in second for Brian and Kathleen Murphy of the Cayman Islands and trainer Paul Hennessy and Bally Bach Bella was back in third and last but not least 
The seventh heat was won by Burgess Bulger at a time of 28.69 for giant owner trainer Sheila Spillane and JJ Finley. Bogger Dusty was back in second and Boo the Best was back in third. Speaking of Burgess Bulger, we had the Ballymac Bulger. At stud, novice final on the card last night also. Won by Black Bill at a time of 28.96, unbeaten from two starts. For joint owner trainer Sean Leahy and Thomas Norton. Phenomenal run. And Black Bell is a very exciting prospect. Indeed, only in July, Whelp. So still very, very young. And the world is its oyster, having put in two tremendous runs in Kilkenny the last two weeks. Winning by two lengths to cost Shumbo back in second and Port Dumna, Montana back in third. The Bellymac Bulger at Stud Novice final of course. Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium continues to produce the very best pups in the country. Week in, week, week out and year in, year out. And Black Bell looks to be a very exciting prospect. So exciting times indeed for the Lahey family. And Thomas Norton elsewhere on the card. Ballygard Tanna came home in front in the first race. The split to Kilkenny track. Novice a 5-2-5. And Ballygard Allen won in the fourth race. The time of 29.55 of course. Both owned and trained by William Henry. Of course, brother of the Shark Cannon, who was out this side in Dubai for the Cheltenham Preview Festival night in McCaffrey's pub in Waffey last night. And great to see William Hedlund on the score sheet. Of course, he's part of the Barn Warrior syndicate as well. So William Hedlund is having a fantastic time of late in the Greyhound Racing Game. And long may it continue. Well done to all involved on the 11 race card in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night we also had the second race the racing at Kilkenny track A4 She Dogs back came home in front here for Bobby Walsh and trainer Gary Walsh so well done to all involved in last night's proceedings and next Friday night we are looking forward to the Frightful Flash Kennels McCallum Cup second round the quarterfinals four heats 24 greyhounds remain in contention for their share of the 13,000 euro prize money and offer wonderful prize money wonderful to see last night we had the split the pot on last and Aidan Brophy from Connie came out on top here winning 300 euro fantastic fantastic prize well done to Aidan Brophy the Connie man taking home the glory last night racing on Thursday, March the 16th, will take place this month instead of Paddy's Day, of course, which is a Friday. Racing will now take place on March 16th instead. So lots to look forward to over the coming weeks and months ahead. The quarterfinals of the McCalmon Cup, the Frightful Flash Kennels McCalmon Cup next Friday night. Put the date in the diary and make sure you do not miss it. Coming out to Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium for a wonderful night out. That's been Scoreline Extra. I've been Shane O'Keefe. You can tune into the show live every Saturday and Sunday from 2 to 6 with myself and Robbie Dowlin. Stay safe, stay sane, and remember, your sound out.